fires it. It's a wide open! Remarkable! Touchdown! Buffalo! Davis again! This is... Uh, it just is impossible! Gets out of the pocket. We know how dangerous he is with his legs, and there he goes. Josh Allen, huge run across the 30-yard line. It's two bills in a pod with Daniel Hahn and Jordan McGee on Sports War Radio. And with that, welcome back to another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Jordan McGee, Daniel Hahn here with you. The Combine is here. We've got... Uh, some pretty breaking, not breaking news, but major news to talk about with the Bills this week. Uh, lots happened. Uh, quotes from Brandon Bean, baller season. We're going to dive into that. Uh, literal report cards for NFL teams came out. That's interesting. We might talk about that later. Um, lots to get to in this episode, so I'm not going to waste too much time. Daniel, how are you? It is combine season. It is Buzzy, busy, busy, busy in Indianapolis. I have a friend of mine who lives in Indy who goes to church who said John Harbaugh was at his church service on Sunday, you know, probably praying to find some healthy uh, players and who are praying to keep Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I don't know. Things are happening in Indianapolis. The Combine's going on. How are you? Well, I'm in Indianapolis, and uh, I'm glad that you have more friends than just me here. But yeah. either way, <laughs> you know, it is a busy time, and it's a fun time to be around the city right now. You do have the combine with all the prospects coming and going. The coaches are all being interviewed. The GMs are all being interviewed. Lots of other uh, buzzworthy items are going on, uh, good and bad. Not always good if you're a certain draft yeah, prospect. Yeah, we'll but, get to it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, in general... You know, this is the start of uh, smokescreen season, if there ever was one. But it's still tough to really get amped about the draft because free agency is going to move things around. People are getting cut still. So that's also a big factor, and especially with franchise tags coming out. I saw a rumor today, maybe Evan Ingram for the Jaguars gets franchise tag. That would be a uh, big, big uh, keep for them, but also a very expensive one if you do, if I do say so. But, yeah, it's exciting. I I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott a little more. They did speak to the media. We do have some of their quotes that we'll go through or some of their comments that they made. Uh, not, you don't get a ton of insights from the Bills. You do from some others. But, you know, you let off with it, Jordan. The, uh, I don't say, like you said, not breaking news, but maybe the biggest news for Bills fans and the Bills in general is defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier is basically taking a year off. Brandon Bean was certain to say, it's not a retirement. They've been talking about it for a while, just taking a year off to refresh, I guess. Didn't say if he's going to be around the team as a consultant. Didn't say who the play caller was for the defense moving forward. Um, hinting that maybe Sean McDermott will be calling plays for the defense in 2023. But it sounds like Leslie Frazier taking a year off. I wouldn't call it a reevaluation, but that he'll be back in 2024 seems to be the indication. Um, you know, Bill's, fan base. Uh, Leslie Frazier has been around for six years. The defense has been pretty darn good for the majority of those six years, but in the playoffs, you can't argue that the defense has met its struggles against the elite offenses. There's been a lot of criticism of Leslie Frazier, Leslie Frazier especially after that Bengals performance. Uh, Jordan, you know, this is one of those, is it going to be one of those 
careful what you wish for moments for uh, certain members <laughs> of Bill's Mafia, or is it going to be, you know what, it's a, it's a mental break to refresh for Leslie Frazier. He'll get a chance to watch from afar, you know, 1,000-foot view. Maybe it'll re-energize him, and maybe it'll bring some sort of, um, you know, I don't say newness to the defense. The defense is still going to be what it is. But, you know, creativity or, you know, sometimes just a year off gives you another chance to, you know, come back with fresh eyes, right? It gives the defense a chance to get another play caller, another voice in the room. Maybe that energizes some of the defensive players or motivates them or taps into things that Leslie Frazier just couldn't. Um, but overall, it's, it's just a very interesting dynamic that's going on now because it's a one-year time off for Leslie Frazier. So you're not – you're not calling Matt Patricia and saying, hey, we want the pencil. Because it's one year. It's not the time to go hire a big-name defensive coordinator because you know you have one coming back, supposedly. Um, you have a lot of defensive play callers on this coaching staff already, so I'm not too concerned there. But what is that dynamic? Is it going to be a split play calling? Is it going to be uh, Sean McDermott kind of putting the headset on and doing something he hasn't done as a head coach, and that is literally put his head down into a play sheet and start calling things and will it make the Bills better? I mean, overall, that's, that's what you're hoping. I mean, you're hoping it happens. It doesn't sound like this was a decision to make the team better. It was just a decision to help Leslie Frazier with whatever he's got going on. And, you know, I think six years, the proof is in the pudding. The defense is pretty darn good. Uh, so this rocks the boat a bit, and we'll see what happens positively or negatively. Yeah, the timing of this uh, has me slightly concerned, only because – for one, right, you were talking about right into the combine, pretty much after coaching hire season. Um, but this seems like this was a decision. Leslie went to the coaching staff and said, hey, I need a year off. Um, and the wording of it, too, is kind of vague. Um, they're saying, oh, Leslie Frazier will return. But they didn't say, like, oh, is he going to return to the Bills? So there's kind of this gray area of if he's actually coming back to the Bills next season. Um so it's kind of murky territory right now. Um, to me, I, I feel like th- there's still time if they want to find an defensive coordinator, I guess. Um, but to me, I, I feel like McDermott's going to take over play calling duties. I mean, first of all, like I was kind of, you know, thinking about in my mind of, okay, well, does McDermott really, you know, like, oh, okay, your head coach is now calling your defense. That can be kind of problematic. But I'm also like, well, has McDermott had a lot of influence with the offense? Not really. McDermott's kind of a bit hands-off when it comes to play calling on the offense, right? He's a, he's a defensive guy. He was, that's, that's his bread and butter. That's the reason he got hired in the first place was, you know, building that defense up in Carolina that went to the Super Bowl, right? Um, it would make sense if McDermott, would call plays or at least split calling plays with like a, you know, a co-defensive coordinator, whoever they promote or hire. Um, I feel like that might be the route that they go down if they, you know, and this is just my kind of early thoughts and predictions on it. Um, would McDermott calling the play, play golf be better? I mean, it can't be worse. You know what I mean? Like I, I Leslie Frazier again is a good coach. It, the the playoffs, you know, were where this team struggled. And to be fair, Sean McDermott has some blame in some of his own right of coaching decisions in the playoffs, right? But um, it, it's hard when you look at the defense and say, wow, two years in a row, the defense had a uh, 
rather less than ideal performance in the AFC divisional round. And a lot of that is, you know, rightfully or wrongfully so being pointed to Leslie Frazier. Um, so listen, I think it's not a bad thing if McDermott takes over defensive play calling duties. I don't think it's going to be solely him. I think there's going to be a co defensive coordinator of some kind or quality control assistant, whatever they're naming these, you know, titles these days. Um, I, I'm a little bit kind of eh, a little tense with Leslie Frazier gone. Um, it, it has me slightly worried. I, it could just be, Hey, he needs a year off. He's just needs to clear his mind. I hope it's not a, you know, indicative of something larger within the organization. I, I don't think it's that, but it just has me slightly worried, but you know, listen, we can only control what we can control. And, you know, I was pretty furious with Frazier after the Bengals lost. I'm not going to lie, but uh, you were, I, I, we you all know. Know, I, I was, and maybe this is the universe in a weird karmic sense being like, be careful what you wish for. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it is leaving me a little bit uneasy as we're starting the, you know, off season process of your defensive coordinator not being here. It's, it's, it's got me raising some eyebrows. Well, they have a lot of people who've called plays on the defensive side. They have Bobby Babbage. They have uh, Eric Washington, defensive line coach. They just got um, Al Holcomb, who was a defensive coordinator calling plays when, uh, Steve Wilkes took over in Carolina, I believe, right? Or whoever the interim guy was there. I think it was Wilkes again. Um, he's been in Carolina so many times. I mean, there's the Carolina connection, right? There's a lot of those guys in the Bills coaching staff that can reasonably be able to carry a, a play sheet and do calls. Sean McDermott has done play calling mid-game when there's been incidents where the defense just wasn't getting it going. He's kind of like, all right, let me see if I can give it a shot, right? They've worked together pretty well. Um it shouldn't be the end of the world in terms of just like strategizing. It's going to be the difficult part will be Leslie Frazier has been around a block a long time. Players really seem to resonate well with him, especially veteran players. Um, there's been a lot of development along this defense and for various players. We talk about, you know, Jordan Poyer. Oh my gosh. Can't lose Jordan Poyer. Well, he wasn't really the Jordan Poyer we know now six years ago. You know, it's, it's been a process. There's been a lot of development, a lot of growth. And, and how does someone navigate a long season that's kind of like the main ear, the main voice of the defensive players here? Um, Leslie Frazier, he comes with a certain attitude, a steadying voice, if you will, that fits very well with Sean McDermott. We'll see who they bring in or who's the uh, main voice for the players. Is it going to be someone a little more fiery to get them amped up? Is it someone a little more creative that's going to try new things and push maybe even Sean McDermott to do things that he typically wouldn't do as a play caller. But in the era of this Bills team, you're looking at we have consistency. We have consistency. Well, the most consistent piece has been that defensive coordinator lately, and now he's out of the picture. It's not going to be a huge deal in my head strategically because it's still Sean McDermott's defense. It's still all these coaches who have worked with Leslie Frazier and these, these players. There's a lot of depth on this defense is not going away. And so again, it's a one year thing too. So you're not expecting it to be one of those items where, Hey, we're going to change everything and we're going to go back to start. I mean, they're just not going to do that per se. If he's coming back, 
What gets real interesting is if this defense goes to a whole new stratosphere and there's somebody else behind the uh, headphone, oh, well, is that person going back to the bench? Or how does that work exactly? I mean, I think it's more intriguing if this team goes crazy and wins the Super Bowl with this random defensive coordinator. Not random. Again, it's probably someone on the staff already. But, okay, then Leslie Frazier kind of struts back in 2024. How does that actually work? Um, that's, a, that's the best problem to have. So I'm not rooting for Leslie Frazier to figure out what he's doing with his career, but he'll be fine. I'm more worried about this has been a strange year for the Bills. As long as Leslie Frazier is healthy, that's really all I care about. Like, it's been six years. He's tried the head coaching circuit a few different times. It hasn't gone out his way as I think it should have. If he wants to take a break because he might be reclined to say, hey, look, I'm just going to be stuck here in Buffalo, defensive corner, no one's going to give me a shot. He doesn't feel like going the Eric Bieniemy route because he's been a defensive coordinator in multiple stops. It's just, all right, take a break, get a year off, and then come back for another six years. I'm good with that. I just want to make sure his health is okay because with the Bills and this, the way this last season has gone, hey, anything's on the table in that regard. So I don't really want to, to think about the worst-case scenario. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I think, like you said, it's not doomsday. I think it will be fine. Um, but it, it just, I think it'll be fine. I think it's just this sort of gut sort of like, it, this is not how I want to start the off season. It's not the sort of like, Ooh, this is exciting. You're like, Ooh, this is okay. Not how you would envision the off season starting, but you know, Hey, it is what it is. I think the bills will be fine one day at a time. I hope Leslie Frazier gets some very much needed relaxation that he deserves and we just move forward from here. All right. Now let's go to the combine next. So this is the next big piece of Bill's news. And remember, Jordan, it's smokescreen season. We're not in full smokescreen. Is it a smokescreen or not yet? We will get there soon. And we'll have a lot of that sprinkled in today. But Brandon Bean, this is big baller bean season. This is his time to shine. He's up there talking to the media. I pulled out a few quotes from his uh, larger press conference with the media I want to get your take on it. I don't know if you heard him or not, but but here we go. I'll try to quote them and get your take. Starting off, number one, quote, there's a lot of hybrid players that come out more and more in the draft. DBs who can play outside nickel safety. We drafted Christian Benford last year knowing he can probably do both corner and safety. Hmm. End quote. Now, <laughs> again, they're getting fielded these questions from the media conglomerate. You know, what do you think about the draft depth? What positions are big? What are your take on some of the athleticism, blah, blah, blah? Well, he let this one out. And um, I'd like to point you to that very last piece about Christian Benford. They drafted him because they think he could be cornerback or safety. Uh, I'll give you another piece on this, too. Sean McDermott was followed up later on about if Christian Benford will start the year at safety or not. He said the all, all intentions are that he will start the year as cornerback, but, I, but he didn't say this, but you have to wait and see with free agency. So, Jordan, mm. thoughts? Well, I mean, okay, it's interesting, right? So your idea is Kair Elam is going to be that starting corner, right? So I, I, so you're going to have Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam once again battling it out for that corner spot, right? Um, Kyrie Elam should win that spot, right? You know, plus he's your first-round pick. You know, um, Benford's a little bit undersized for safety, 
but I'm I'm interested. I don't know how it's going to work. I mean, listen, you're you're most likely losing Jordan Poyer, Demar Hamlin. Who the hell knows if he's even going to play again? Maybe who knows? The prognosis of it is so far out. Um, they're kind of thin at that position, and they could still draft. They could still maybe find someone in free agency. But I mean, Christian Benford was impressive uh, for a guy who I didn't even think was going to make the roster to not only make the roster, but play well in stretches where, you know, Trey was out. Um, I think it's certainly a worthy experiment. We can try. He's a little bit undersized. I believe he's like, what, 5'10", approximately. Um, So a little bit undersized, but why not, right? You know, know, Christian Benford's a valuable player, and, you know, if he can, you know, why just sit him on the bench if he's just going to be a backup corner, you know, and come in for a relief when you can say, hey, put him at safety. There's going to be probably most likely a gap there. So I'm here to see, see an experiment in like training camp and mini camp, but uh, I have to see, I have to see, I have to see it happen. Um, he worked hard in the training camp last season to get on the team. I don't see why he maybe couldn't, but it's sort of a, we have to, kind of wait and see it doesn't surprise me that a six-round pick can play multiple positions that's the mo of this front office it's the mo of a lot of the the late draft picks can you do special teams can you do a regular position how versatile are you we we knock them a little bit for this because they're constantly drafting and signing guys like well he's an offensive lineman who plays guard he could also play tackle and if you need to do some snaps you can do center but they don't do any one thing excellently if that's a word it is now they don't do anything like really, really well. They just do all things kind of above average. And then you're left with your right tackle getting like burned in key moments or your guards not being able to block. It's, it's kind of a knock there. But again, six-round pick, your expectations are different. My takeaway from this, no. I, I don't see a scenario where they're like, let's let Jordan Poyer walk because we got Christian freaking Benford. Well, well, sure. I, don't think th- I don't think that's the, the scenario here, but – but, but, but what it does tell me is if they don't address safety in free agency, maybe in a solid way, maybe more than, you know, the Chiefs guy that they just added, right? The, the guy who, oh, that's the guy we're replacing Christian Jordan Poyer with. But you're not, you're basically saying we have options to try people out in camp and we're not backed into a corner where my man, Antonio Johnson, has to be your first round pick if we project him more as a second round pick. That's where I feel like this is going, where let's see who they sign. Let's see who they bring back. Are they bringing back a Dean Marlowe? What's DeMar Hamlin's health like? Are they bringing Jordan Poyer back? But if they just kind of halfway address it, they're telling you Christian Benford's a guy that we already know is going to be in that mix of consideration if we had to get into an open competition. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into the fact that they haven't signed Jordan Poyer. He makes this comment. Christian Benford's the, the guy. I, I think we're still several months off from figuring that out. I just believe they their thought process is we're not backed into a corner where we have to pay Jordan Poyer. We have options. We're not backed into a corner where we have to draft a safety in the first round. We have options. Um, next up from Brandon Bean, another hot topic for Bills Mafia, Isaiah Hodgins was brought up. And Brandon Bean said, quote, Isaiah Hodgins not making the roster is more a special teams thing, end quote. So this goes back to the fact Isaiah Hodgins 
took taken off the Bills practice squad to the Giants, goes to the Giants, and has a pretty, I'd say, you know, solid wide receiver kind of fill-in. The Giants had a lot of injuries at receiver. He goes to Brian Dayball's offense and system, a place that he knows very well, um, and has some moments for the Giants and Bills fans while we're bringing back John Brown and Cole Beasley. Everyone's like, wait a minute. What about Isaiah Hyde if you had him? What an idiot, Brandon Bean. What an idiot. Um, I'm you know, exaggerating a little bit, but it is kind of what you were seeing a lot at various points in social media when all the drops were going on. To me, not a surprise here. I mean, he, he, he had some injuries his rookie year. He flashed a little bit in preseason. Again, six-round pick. you got to do more than one thing. The Bills are, even though people don't want to see it, they are very deep at receiver. Who's not making the roster to get Isaiah Hodgins on the roster? That's what you have to consider throughout the year. Jake Kumaro got hurt after he left. He was ahead of him. You're not cutting Gabe Davis to make way for Isaiah Hodgins. And even Jake Kumaro plays special teams. So you've got to really figure how the Bills make up their lower-level receivers and the guys who are the fifth, sixth roster ads on a Sunday have to play more than one position. Isaiah Hodgins wasn't able to do special teams to the level to which they wanted him to. He's on the practice squad. Someone else claimed him. Now, one thing we don't talk about with him, the Giants were completely tore up at receiver. I mean, everybody was on the IR at one point, except for uh, Kenny Galladay, and they just refused to ever play him, and they cut Kenny Galladay. But besides him, I mean, the Giants receivers were – Isaiah Hodgins and our other favorite guy, uh, David Sills, is still running out there making catches for them. Uh, you know, there weren't many places that were just going to pick Isaiah Hodgins to play receiver only. The Giants knew him. It worked out. I'm happy for him. But now you know from Brandon Bean's perspective, it was special teams why Isaiah Hodgins is no longer a Buffalo Bill. I mean, listen, it was hard to even, like, see if, you know – Again, he had a great breaking out season for the Giants, and he is a valuable weapon. But again, like it was just he was so buried on the Bills depth chart that, like you said, it just wasn't going to be like, who are you going to cut? You know, like, okay, you're going to keep Hodgins. Who are you letting go? Because there's probably a player that's more valuable at that time. And, you know, listen, he had a really good rookie season. You know, I hope for him the best, you know, but it's just sort of those things that you're like, okay, you know, well, I guess we let that one get away. But to be fair, who could have predicted Isaiah Hodgins scoring like, you know, five, six touchdowns this season? I, I wouldn't. Um, so it, it, it's just a matter of, Hey, he was a really good player. We both liked him, but you know, somebody, somebody's got to go and he just was, and he's flourishing with another team and you kind of like, Oh damn, you know, Oh darn, you know, maybe he could have been good, but, who knows? He probably wouldn't have ever had that time to play on the Bills because, again, you're not starting him over Diggs or Davis or McKenzie or, you know, at the time, Jamison Crowder or Sha- Khalil Shakir. You know, he was just – he was too far down. He was too far down. Yeah, and, again, it's getting those reps in at the, at the you know, regular season level to work out some of the kinks, and the Bills are in a different spot than the Giants were where, yeah, the Giants had a surprise season. They made the playoffs, but they – they were letting young guys play. They were letting people grow in that offense, and, and they needed guys who knew the offense to help, you know, the people who were first-year Giants in, in the Brian Dayball system. Next up, this one I got just for you, Jordan. I found it. I found it. I, I whittled through the 25 minutes of Brandon Bean talking, and I found it just for you. 
Um, they were asking about, you know, draft positions and, and how do you make your big board, everyone's favorite topic, the big board. You know, there are certain positions that are, you know, I don't say premium positions, but you're not drafting a punter in the first round, right? You know, that's pretty obvious. But, you know, how do you rank positions where they fall into your analysis? And Brandon Bean, while he was explaining in good detail, let this nugget out for, just for you, Jordan. He said, quote, yes, you can still take a running back in round one, end quote. Now, he also put some names to it as like Alvin Kamara. Christian McCaffrey was drafted last year in Carolina. So he's labeling some pretty massive running backs, but he did say he took a different approach than maybe the Mel Kuypers of the world. You can draft a running back in round one. Jordan, how does this make you feel? Oh, yes. Go running back. And I know I'm just going to spoil the quote because I just I can't keep it in. He said he talked about B. John Robinson. He said, quote, he looks good on TV. I'm like, all aboard the Bijan Robinson bandwagon. Chugga, chugga, choo, choo. Listen, he knows. He knows. He listens to two bills in the pod. Secretly, at night, he's like, you know what, Jordan? She's talking about Bijan. Let me pull up that mixtape of Bijan Robinson on YouTube. And mm, it looks impressive. Mm, we could use a really good, you know, running back to really bolster this offense. Uh, I'm just saying I am 100% on the board on B. John Robinson. Um, I, I, I'll have to look back on the last time the Bills took a running back in round one. Um, I believe I it was C.J. Yeah, C.J. Spiller was probably the last time. That was, what, 2009, roughly? Mm-hmm. Um, so, listen, I think in the case of the Bills, I know people are like, well, running back round one. For the Bills, for this is a team that is, you know, trying to get to the Super Bowl, um, you know, there's not many holes. This is one area that if you're going to take the next step, you want a running back like Bijan Robinson to elevate your offense and really add a real threat to the running game. So I'm all on board on this. I'm all on board on the running back bandwagon. I'm even looking into Jamar Gibbs from Alabama, although he's option B, option A is Bijan Robinson at the moment. Um, but listen, I, I I don't say why not, especially if you're at 27 and Bijan's on the board, which he could very well be. Who knows? Um, but if he's on the board, I don't see why you don't even at the very least, you know, contemplate taking him. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have an issue taking running back around one. I think you're foolish to, to limit yourself. So, like, I'm never looking at this position. I mean, that that limits your, your scope of, you know, as athletes you can get on your roster. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not against Bijan Robinson, especially where the Bills are picking. Again, you're talking like if we were in the top five, it might be different, right? But you look back at some guys that win the second round. I mean, if the Bills had taken somehow Jonathan Taylor in round one, right, it wouldn't have been upsetting to anyone based on how he's played, has it? And, and you learn things along the way about where these guys fit in your offense, too. The only concern I have about Bijan Robinson is, is exactly that. This is Josh Allen's offense, and Bijan should be able to add another level to it, another threat to it, another yard after catch is another big thing that Brandon Bean and Schumacher both hit on. You know, they're looking a lot at yards after catch. What do you guys do once they get the ball in their hand? Are you making people miss? 
you want those home run threats because that's kind of, you know, you can do that anywhere, but it, it levels out quite a bit when you get to the NFL when everyone's basically, everyone's sub 4-3 or 4-4, right? Um, but, you know, at this point, as long as you're a pass-catching running back, then you probably fit in this offense. Because like a lot of teams with franchise quarterbacks, I don't want a Jonathan Taylor that's going to take 30 carries a game to kind of make his hay because that means you're not really using Josh Allen, right? You're not using Stephon Diggs, and those guys are on different teams. So, you know, I'm excited about this one just because, you know, we're not limiting ourselves, but it basically tells you, too, you got to be a pretty darn special player at certain positions, not just running back, but certain positions that aren't premium to get that first-round grade or that first-round pick from the Bills. So we'll see what they do. But it's not off the table yet if your you know, dream pick is the Bijan. And, and you did steal my last quote, which was from Sean McDermott, not Brandon Bean. Sean McDermott said he hasn't really gotten a chance to meet these guys face-to-face yet. He's a combine where he starts to do that because he's been doing self-evaluation, coach evaluation. But in terms of Bijan Robinson, when he was asked specifically about him, he just said on television he looks like a really, really good player. Um, so, yes. I think we sent the mixtapes accidentally to Sean McDermott. So he's, he's been analyzing those YouTube tapes of Bijan, and he's good to go. Um, but, Jordan, those are the main quotes I got from the combines from the Bills that were interesting. You know, it's good to check out. You can find those press conferences on YouTube, Bills.com. You can find them in a couple of different spots. But you're getting a lot of vagueness, right? They're not telling you a lot. They're answering the questions kind of, you know, surface level. You know, yeah, you know, Josh Allen, we, we scouted him three different times. You know, that, that, okay, so now I'm going to find someone they scouted three times and that's who they're picking. It doesn't always work that way, but um, overall, the Bills are in a good spot in terms of what they've been leaving out there, and, and the door's open maybe for, for a running back in round one, which will make you happy. But, Jordan, I do want to talk about one more piece of Bills news, and that is current free agent or soon-to-be free agent Bill Safety, Jordan Porter. He spoke to the media. And he expressed interest in possibly landing with the Miami Dolphins because of no income tax. Um, it's funny because after, shortly after this quote was Brandon Bean's press conference, and he had talked about the state income tax and that that's a factor signing free agents. He basically said, if you're a winning team, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're winning enough, people will come to you and they'll make it work. But from Jordan Porter's perspective, while Bill fans aren't going to like to hear this and him going to a division rival, especially one that, man, if they got Jordan Poyer with Vic Fangio's defense, like, mm. good lordy, that sounds pretty juicy for Dolphins fans. What I will say, you only have so many years to make your money. I'm not going to discount anyone. If, they, if he gets a contract that no income tax is the highest one in the market, good, good for you. Make your money. You know, that's where I'm at. I don't want to see him in a division rival. He's not taking the Taylor Luan approach that said all AFC South teams are off the table for his possible next steps, which would be awesome. But not everyone is like that. Um, you got to make your money, Jordan. And I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, I, I personally, good for you. Make your money, no income tax, whatever. As a player, though, like, go to division rival. We got some real issues. Yeah, I would really prefer if he didn't go to the Dolphins, to be honest. Uh, just, I don't. It'd be bad news. Real bad. Also, Florida's sinking into the ground. Do you want to play for a team in the state that's sinking into the ocean? I don't know if you want to do that. Um, 
you know, I I really hope he doesn't go to Miami because that that feels like a little bit of a middle finger. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of teams that are gonna be out for Jordan Poyer that you know. I just don't want him to go to Miami. You know, that just feels an extra, like, it feels like a middle finger to it is. the Bills. And you're like, ooh, that, that feels not great. Um, you know, I don't really want to make the Dolphins any better. And Jordan Poyer going to the Miami would suck. I'm going to be honest. Would very much not be good. The Dolphins are kind of scary right now as it is. Them getting Jordan Poyer does be like, ooh, I'm really uncomfy now, and I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, it would be scary, and he's a really good player. The one thing I will say is he's going to go to a team that's going to pay him a lot of money, and the length of the contract is going to be very interesting because he is 32 years old. He's a guy that I feel like, okay, he might end up with the Jets or something random like that. You know, the commander, someone who's like, yeah, we got all this money. We never make bad contracts, and Year one seems like it's going to be good. Year two, three, yeah, I'm not really too sure about that. And Jordan Porter does have a little bit of an injury history that's starting to stack up. We'll just, you know, we'll just wait and see what happens with him. It would be a middle finger. We don't talk about people's spouses too often on this podcast, but his spouse will definitely be all over Bill's Mafia probably if they were in the division rival and, and egging people on. Um, just kind of like how Cole Beasley was when he left, it, you know, it'll be that again. So I just, I'm just not looking forward to all that sideshow stuff, I guess, for lack of a better word. But, Jordan, let's transition now to the fun part. That's, that's the Bills news. That's what we know for sure. But we also know the draft is coming up. We're in combine season. Let's talk a little bit more about the Bills roster and potentially free agents and draft prospects who will fit there. Last week, we did safety and wide receiver. This week, Jordan, we're going tight end. Tight end and cornerback. Why not? Um, And so we'll start off on offense with tight end. It's going to be interesting this year because uh, the tight ends leaving the Bills roster. Let me scroll, scroll, scroll and see. Oh, look, nobody. Oh, wait, one person, Tommy Sweeney. He's a free agent. Um, so you got Dawson Knox, you got Quentin Morris, who actually was a little bit surprising. Um, I think he stepped in and showed he's got some, you know, potential to grow there. I'm excited to see him, but that's really it. And they just um, paid Dawson Knox a nice little hefty extension. But even with that, you still find the uh, points of Bills not there. Like, hey, let's get Dalton Schultz. Let's bring this person and that person in. Um, money is an issue, Jordan. So what do you think about the Bills' tight end room? At a minimum, they're going to bring two people back, in my estimation, one that's probably going to be active roster, one that might be floating on the practice squad. But, you know, you got Quentin Morris, who's pretty young. You got Dawson Knox, who just signed to extension. I'm not seeing a big-name free agent come in here. But, again, it does open the possibilities for this offense if you do bring in another threat at this position. No, and I mean, oh, again, there's like a more cheaper option, like maybe a Tyler Croft you could bring in. Um, I feel like they'll address this potentially in the draft if they're going to go down this route. I mean, don't get me wrong, Dalton Schultz and Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki might be more in the range. It seems like his cap hit might be $8 million, which I feel like the Bills could swing that if they really wanted to. Um you know, and that would be, I think, within the possibility for them um, if they're going to go after any free agent. But I think 
for the most part, they're really not going to touch this position. There, there are some interesting names in the draft that I will bring up in just a moment that I'm kind of intrigued about. But, excuse me, I don't think um, they're going to go big game hunting. I think Mike Gusecki is probably the only name that could be financially in the range that, okay, they could make this potentially work financially if they do. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, they're not big game hunting at this position, especially after you just paid Dawson Knox a pretty big deal, and he's pretty young. You, If you see anything they're coming out with, maybe it's a blocking tight end. That seems to be, okay, what does Quentin Morris and Dawson Knox maybe not do as well or who you want on the goal line, someone who can just move but also potentially flash out for a catch or two. It feels like if there's a veteran coming in, it's going to be something random, like a Richard Rogers or, you know, a – let me see who else we got here um, – Michael Pruitt, you know, guys you might have heard of that have done some things, but they're not going to be very high value. I think even $8 million at this position, based on their other needs, is almost too high. Um, so, Jordan, let's go to the draft then, because there are some interesting names, particularly at the top of the draft. So, you, I'll let you start off here. You, you kicked it off. You're interested in some people. Who you got that might be a draft target for the Well, bill? I will throw this out. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame is definitely not on the board, but... Um, I will say the one guy who I think could be there, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. He's 6'4", 240, had a really great breakout season for Utah. I really like his size. Also, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. He might be more of a round two pick, but um, also Darnell Washington from Georgia is interesting too as well. And then maybe later on, like a day three pick, potentially Luke Shoemaker from Michigan. Um, Dalton Kincaid is interesting to me. Um, he's really great size. I've seen a little bit of him in terms of his tape, uh, was really the prime receiver for Utah this past season and really impressive to me. Um, again, I don't know if the bills are going to do this two tight end system. Um, but Dalton Kincaid is an interesting prospect that I think is very well going to be, around in the time the bills are going to pick um so he's definitely i think going to be on the bills radar and they're going to do their homework on him do they go tight end in round one eh, probably not but he's an interesting name and you know he could be someone that if a lot of the guys like say a jordan addison or zay flowers or you know jackson smith niga from ohio state are gone right maybe they looked to Dalton Kincaid as sort of their kind of break glass in case of emergency kind of player so he you know he's not my number one prospect but Dalton Kincaid is an interesting guy that I'm like I think you know maybe not super likely but I think is a guy that it's worth maybe looking into a little bit more yeah Dalton Kincaid fits the day two possibility and and this goes to what does Ken Dorsey's offense evolve into? What does he look at and evaluate into? This is what we need to do. We need to do more two tight end sets. And if you go that route, then a day two pick a tight end makes a lot of sense here. Obviously, Quentin Morris is going to get more reps if you went that route. But, you know, the draft can sometimes tell you what the Bills want to do in terms of what they've self-evaluated and what they need to do to be a little bit better, be a little more competitive, how they want to help Josh Allen more. If you got two tight end sets, that is a different type of look for defenses in terms of their blitzing and different things like that. So I think Dalton Kincaid is definitely on the table. The one that I'll bring up that's probably day three 
but I do like the potential here. And it's going to, you know, I'm going to be hypocritical of myself here a little bit saying, oh, they need a blocking tight end. I like Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State, and not just because South Dakota mm-hmm. State is the Jackrabbits, um, one of the best names in, at mascots you can have, but this is a guy who last year, he caught at least two passes in every single game last season. He's 6'5", 255. He's obviously a pass-catching threat. He's got really good hands, a low drop rate. Um, this is just kind of one of those you're looking for. You're not going to – maybe you don't bring back Cole Beasley. Who's your – you know, third and Cole or whatever your short distance first down target is. If you want to go to a two tight end set or a red zone target, this is a guy that has reliable hands and pass catching offenses that can, that can do a lot of it. He's had some big games, particularly against Colorado state where he had five catches for 53 yards. Um, he can do some things and you know, these smaller school guys will typically end up in day three, but that's a day three pick where the bills have a few picks that, Hey, you know what? Take a flyer on him. He's one that uh, you never know what might happen. But, again, I'm looking at a, a, a blocking tight end. This is definitely a pass-catching tight end. Mm-hmm. And if you're going blocking, maybe go like a Sam LaPorter from Iowa because that's block university, right? So you always yeah. go there. But I do like Tucker Craft maybe as, okay, we're not going to go day one, day two, but we do need some depth here. Who do we want that's similar to what we have? I think Tucker Craft kind of fits that mold for an athletic pass-catching tight end with good hands. Mm-hmm. Um, Next up, Jordan, cornerback. Flipping to the defensive side of the ball. Bills don't lose any cornerbacks either unless you count the restricted free agents, which means they get dibs, basically, right? You know, oh, you want me? Dibs. Um, Cam Lewis and Dane Jackson are both restricted free agents. Um, Dane Jackson should see a bump in pay. Cam Lewis, too. But Dane Jackson's one that's intriguing if another defensive staff, especially a new defensive staff, wants to bring in a veteran who – They've seen on film that can do some things, and you pay them a little bit of a, a bump, if you will. But Jordan, they have addressed cornerback a couple times last year in the draft with Elam and Benford. You got Tredavious White, who hopefully will look a lot more like the old Tredavious White after a healthy offseason. Uh, do they address cornerback? I think it's obvious they'll bring somebody in. But what are your thoughts on in terms of free agents that are veterans? How many of those guys are coming in, and who do you think is a realistic target? I'm going to be honest. I don't think they're bringing anybody in in free agency for corner. I mean, like you said, Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford, you know, those are the guys. If they're going to bring in somebody, it's going to be on a practice squad sort of level. Uh, This is the position to me, I think, is when you look at from highest to lowest priority, it's pretty darn low. Um, they have a lot of faith in Kyer Elam. I think they have a lot of faith in Christian Benford. You know, you still got Tredavious White. Um, they seem pretty good at this position. If they're going to address it, I think it's going to be day three in the draft or maybe a day two pick if it's someone who's like, oh my God, he fell. You know, of course we're going to take him sort of scenario. I, I really think this is going to be a position that is on the lower end of the priority for the Bills. Um, not saying that, you know, hey, you can't bring in a guy, but I'm also saying eh, they kind of really went after it this last year in the draft. Um, I, I really don't see this as a high-priority position for the Bills. It's a high-priority position because you're facing teams with three wide receivers. They just didn't have enough guys that were Tredavious White. I mean, he's a number one. But you get the point. 
But Davis White can only cover one person, and then you're going to face the Bengals who are going to bring out T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. The Chiefs are going to bring in other wide receivers that can just do all sorts of things. So if you believe Kyrie Elam is going to develop a little closer in that surefire number two, you're good. But then you want to get someone in the draft or free agency that can continue that development. I don't know if Dane Jackson is going to ever be that full-time number two. He has limitations. He has a ceiling. Same with Cam Lewis. But money's tight, yo. They're not bringing in a lot of people. I don't know what to tell you here. You know, if you're if you're telling me, yeah, we're going to bring in Justin Bethel, that's not going to solve all of your problems. But there are some guys that I think, you know, maybe not day one of free agency or day two of, you know, the tampering period that you're going to see them linked to. But there are guys that I think maybe they've scouted in the past. They want to get a look in their system and see how it hap- how they develop a little bit. Um you know, if I had to pick somebody, I do like a PJ Williams from New Orleans. That that's an interesting name, a guy that hey, give me a on a championship caliber defense. What can I do here? Um, the big name is always Patrick Peterson, and that's an interesting one, only because he had a big time turnover against the Bills this season. You saw him sure against did. you. He, he yeah, he beat you right. And so it's like, well, if he can do that, you know, come in and do that for us. Don't beat us next time. He, you just never know. So I agree with you, though. It's going to be very low priority in terms of free agency because it's a premium position where the best guys are going to get a lot of money. Uh, I'm more curious if they're able to bring back Dane Jackson or Cam Lewis and what that price tag is. But there are guys I like. Would I like to see what Mike Hughes, the cornerback from Detroit, can do here? Yes. Um, Trey Flowers from Cincinnati. Rocky Asin has had some moments. But you know, price has to be the, the top-notch thing, which takes you to the draft, Jordan, where price is no factor because everyone slotted in fun little positions. And even though the Bills drafted cornerback number one last year, I'm not ruling it out this year. Again, I just look at their opponents in the AFC, and it's like you got to figure out how to beat Miami consistently. And Tyreek Hill isn't getting slower. Jalen Waddell isn't getting slower. They're going to add more weapons to that offense. The Bengals are not going anywhere. The Ravens are trying to switch offenses and get good wide receivers in there, but don't tell Rashad Bateman I said that. Um, So there are guys in the draft that I do like, but Jordan, we'll let you start off. I'm just saying in general, first-round cornerback would not surprise me whatsoever. I will say that I'm going to – once again, dip into the Utah waters. I don't know why I like Utah so much. Uh, Clark Phillips from Utah, I think, again, if you're talking about a name, probably late round one, he's going to be there. Maybe. Possibly. Potentially. Um, Garrett Williams from Syracuse, uh, maybe there on a day two kind of pick. Um, I or, or Kai Blue Kelly from Stanford, maybe in a day two slash day three pick. I... I hear you, but when I look at the corners, I'm looking at, okay, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, he's going to be gone. Cam Smith from South Carolina will be gone. Joey Porter from Penn State, gone. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, gone. Keely Ringo from Georgia, maybe, but eh, probably we'll see. At least four or five guys are going to be gone. And so, you know, again, it's do you really like Clark Phillips? Do you like Clark Phillips over a lot of these other recruits or prospects? I don't know. Um, you know, okay, you draft Clark Phillips, you, you, you draft another corner. 
okay, now you all of a sudden you have Tredavious White, Kyer Elam, and another rookie, all first-round picks, where are they all going to play? You know what I mean? Because then that gets kind of awkward and complicated. I hear you on what you're saying. I, I just don't believe they're going to go back to round one because then that's just going to cause more, to me, confusion than anything. Of like, wait, you just drafted Kyer La- Elam last year. Now you're drafting another corner in round one? You know, because you can have all the corners you want. and But I don't know if you're going to be a first-round pick to be like, oh, you're going to be backup. Like, eh, it doesn't sound you know, too appealing, but again, they don't really choose where they go, but I, I, I hear you. Do you hear me? Because you didn't hear me when I said Christian Benford could be safety too. <laughs> so there's obviously space when you move Benford to safety, then you have this other first round corner that's going to be in the nickel with Karen Johnson. It's going to be great. There's just going to be first rounders all over the defensive back area. And then there's going to be a bunch of six rounders in safety. It'll be perfect. Exactly the plan that they drew up. Um, uh, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. I agree with you. There's going to be some guys off the board. Joey Porter Jr. probably won't be there. Devin Witherspoon probably won't be there. Kaylee Ringo, I've seen him mocked a little all over the place. You never know. Cam Smith, the same thing. But if you really like a guy and it is a premium position, you're going to rank it a little higher. Um, You know, I like Garrett Williams from Syracuse. That's another name that kind of fits to me a little bit in terms of style of play. But if you're talking, I think they're going to draft somebody here, even if it's late. And how about this one? You knew it was going to happen eventually, Jordan. I'm going to go to my, my Kentucky roots. I don't think Brandon Bean actually pays attention to them, but he should because there is a guy named Carrington Valentine who is going to be a day three pick most likely, if not day two, depending on where he uh, phases out in the combine. Um 119 career tackles, uh, 16 pass breakups. And really what it comes down to is for me is the pass breakups. He gets his hand on the ball. He disrupts things. They play in a pro-style defense in Kentucky, so it's a 4-3 as well. So you're going to be able to line him up in, in places he's familiar with. Um, maybe he can play safety too. You never know. But, um, you know, the Bills really like smart players. He's made the Dean's list two straight years. So we'll see what happens. But Carrington Valentine is kind of a, a – day two or three pick that I can see kind of being on the radar of the bills. But other than that, I mean, there are, some, there's a lot of corners. Just kind of pick your poison, but I lean there. I do like Garrett Williams from Syracuse as well. And a Mackay black blackman from USC or guys that kind of been piquing my interest, but still a lot more research to do on this subject. Uh, so Jordan, that is the end of our analysis of those two positions. And I think, um, you know, we're running a little late on time, so I'm actually going to skip my favorite mock and save that for next week. What do you think about I, that? I, you know what? Sure, because there's some stuff we want to talk about, <laughs> particularly a certain NFL prospect I want to get to. So, yeah, we'll see that. I know you do, but I want to get to the AFC East because we didn't go through them last week. And, and so the AFC East, we can go here. It's going to be smokescreen season, so be ready. Uh, number one, the Miami Dolphins. GM Chris Greer spoke to the media and says the Dolphins are, quote, not afraid, end quote, to extend to a long term when he was asked if they're concerned about to his durability. Jordan, do you think this is a smoke screen or not? <laughs> I I think in public they're like, yeah, we're not afraid. Also, doctors, what are you saying about Tua? Because we have to invest a lot of money into him. I would be because um he is kind of just one or two bad hits away from his career potentially being over. We thought it was almost over last season. So 
I would really think carefully before locking him into a long-term deal because uh, Tua's health, he, when healthy, great quarterback. Um, but also, he almost died like twice last season. Um, so don't know how much money you want to invest into a guy who nearly died on the field. So that's just me. But again, I'm not an NFL GM, uh, uh, I guess, so they say. This is the the comment made right before you make a trade for Lamar Jackson or something like that. That's what this is. <laughs> this is complete smokescreen here. Look, they are concerned. They need to see him play another year. This is not like Lamar or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts where, okay, we're confident in this guy. No matter what, we're going to start negotiating that long-term deal, and then you just play out your rookie deal, right? They're not do- they-, they might kind of be doing that, but it's definitely a wait and see where they're not going to make an agreement until they see him get through a full NFL season and what his help is. So unless he's listening to that wacky Dolphins doctor that was on the field against the Bills where they just said, no, he's fine, that's a, that's a back injury, not a neck injury or a concussion, <laughs> then, then there's definitely durability concerns. So this is pure smoke and just try not to rock the boat for your quarterback. But trust me, if they can land Lamar, they're getting Lamar. Um, next up, <laughs> New England. The Patriot coaches were told not to be too hard on Mac Jones to prevent Mac Jones from being too critical of himself. Um, Jordan, is this a good thing no. if you're a Patriot fan or a, like, is this a good trait for Mac Jones that he's hard on himself or a bad thing that coaches aren't allowed to be hard on him because he's too hard? Where, where, this is all over the place for I me. Mean, I'm torn. It could go both ways. I lean that Mac is wacky and this is a horrible pick, but you elaborate. And this would be like, hey, Mac, I know you threw like three interceptions in this game. Do you want to maybe rework your thought process on why you're throwing the ball to the other team. Uh, not trying to be critical, just trying to say some constructive criticism. Um, it, it, I mean, soft. <laughs> just it's soft. Come on. Like, I listen, you can be hard on yourself, but also, if you're playing terribly, your coaches are going to chew you out. That's how it happens. Um, uh, yeah, I, Mac Jones is, he's something. He sure is a quarterback. Is he a good one? Yeah. You know, time will tell. Yeah, and they bring in Bill O'Brien, too, who's got a history in this organization, knows what to do, but they definitely, um, that's just a weird comment. That's a weird thing to get out. And I know there's some things about Joe Judge yelling at him, and then they had to keep Joe Judge away from him, and he was the call offensive. It's just, if you have to really babysit people this much, you shouldn't be paying them millions of dollars, nor should you be drafting them in the first round, right? Superior talent, you get a pass. Mac Jones, he ain't that. Next, Robert Sala said he expects Mike White to be back. Um, and the Jets also met with Derek Carr at the Combine. Jordan? Um... I don't know what to make of this. This seems weird to bring Mike White back. You have Zach Wilson and maybe bring in a veteran like Carr or Aaron Rodgers. What in the world do you make of this move potentially to bring Mike White back? They, you're just like, well, we need something. So got to work on something. Uh, I, I don't. Sure. 
I mean, Mike White might be good for a week or two, but then he returns into, oh, you're a backup quarterback. And we're reminded why you're a backup quarterback. So they're just running with the options that they have, and which is not much at this time. They're running with anything but Zach Wilson. That's the, that's the MO. That's what's in their draft room right now. That's what's in their entire coaching room. Like anyone but Zach Wilson. Bring Mike White back. We don't play Zach Wilson. Gives us help. Um, whatever. Jets going to jet. That's where we're at. Now let's go around the NFL because I know you want to get to these fun things. Let's start with the big news out of the combine, sort of. <laughs> Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter, projected top five pick. Um, he was arrested and issued bail, and then he went back to the combine to finish out his workouts and interviews. Um, but basically, he was arrested because he was part of that street racing that led to the death of a Georgia defensive player and a staffer. Um, he was there. He. I don't know if he fully denied being there a hundred percent, but it sounds like he yeah. wasn't truthful with police. And there's evidence that two cars were racing, weaving in and out of traffic and he was in the other car. And then when that first car crashed and people died, he went home then came back like, Oh, look at this. Um, but he was arrested. He was issued bail. But Jordan, here's the question though. I mean, I don't know the legal process of Georgia, so I'm not going to get too much into that, but, does he slip in the draft? Because there are implications. He and Will Anderson were basically the top two players. Does he slip? How far does he slip? What does this do for his draft prospects? So reading it was concerning because at first he, this, the story was, oh, I was a mile away from when it happened. And then he's like, actually, I was pretty closer. Actually, I was driving right next to them. Um, so he's lied multiple times to the police. Um I, I think it's a little too early on to see, you know, because this broke yesterday of, okay, well, oh, there's an arrest for his warrant, you know, or there's a warrant out for him. I don't think it was an arrest. He Well, he did get Did he get arrested and then posted yeah, bail? Yeah, he got arrested. I mean, it was a warrant for his arrest, and then he was at the combine when it came out. So they, he basically flew back to Georgia, turned himself in, and then they posted bail. And he went back to the combine is what happened. So he got uh, arrested technically. I think there is a lot of questions that still need to be answered. I think it's, you know, okay, what are you charging him with? Are you charging him with, you know, some sort of like manslaughter charges? I mean, it, it depends on the severity of the charges, right? That's going to come out. Um and if it is severe enough, he could very well drop. I mean, it, it's not great when you hear oh, you were swerving in and out of traffic. The reports saying that the car that was crashed went like 100 miles, you know, before it crashed. And again, it's led to the death of two people, a football player and a coach. Um, so I, I would be concerned right now as a team, like in that top five, I'm definitely putting at least right now a pause on Jalen Carter. Um, more information needs to come out. Um, but it is raising some pretty red flags of, well, he lied to police multiple times. Um, he was involved in this super reckless driving, um, that got, again, a, a teammate of his killed. There's, there's some red flags already from what we just know. I'm going to reserve judgment until we get more of how, you know, are they going to, you know, they had they they put out a warrant. Is he going to go to trial? Like what, what? How far will this go? You know, will the DA drop charges? You know, 
so on and so forth, right? There's a lot more information that we need to know, but I think right now it's certainly putting a pause on his draft stock. Um, it is very concerning, and I'm already having – there's already character questions now for Jalen Carter. Uh, I'm like, this is not really good, uh, but then again, this is the NFL. Guys have done a lot of terrible things and still have gotten drafted – so remains to be seen, but I'm there. There are some red flags already with this guy, and that's that's not good. He's not falling to the Bills. No. Let me just throw that one out there. He he will be souped up well before the Bills, even with this out there, unless you know that he's going to miss significant time because there's jail time or like you said, whatever the charges are, right? But he is being cooperative with police at this point, not right away, but at this point, it seems like he is. So you just don't know what exactly is going to to come out. And he could also be one of those players that they remove from the draft. There's a lot of questions, a lot of concerns moving forward. But, you know, my biggest, not concern, but my biggest question is going to be, okay, Chicago Bears are trading back. There's always these news reports once we like, oh, the Bears are talking to teams about moving out. Like, we know they're moving out. They're definitely not staying there. Um, but the point for the Bears was you could drop as far as four with the Colts or whomever moved two spots back. And you get either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Now, maybe not. Now, maybe Jalen Carter's not in your, you know, possibilities or not the guy you want. Now, now you can only drop maybe to two or to three. It changes the uh, the math, I would say, for what the Bears can do. So the Bears are the ones that I'm really looking at the most here because Jalen Carter. He's still going to be probably top ten at worst, if unless he's going to miss significant time, right? And I don't know how big of a red flag this puts on him. Because, again, when you're super talented, you can get away with quite a bit. And, you know, like you said, people have done a lot worse and still got drafted. Um, And, of course, right now there's no video. And once there's video, people go to the second round. That that seems to be the kicker in this society is if there's a video, okay, Joe Mixon, you're going around two. But that's not the case in this scenario. And, yes, it was pure fast and furious from what it sounds like. It was him in another car going over 100, weaving in and out traffic, and then one car flipped over and two people lost their lives. So um, I'm curious about the Bears is what I'm looking at in their compensation and how far they're willing to go now. But that maybe a player might be, uh, I don't say off the board, but more question marks, right? That, that would be the concern for that. Next up, let's go to Mel Kuyper Jr. He was quoted, and he claims if the Ravens, Okay, the Ravens draft, Bijan Robinson, he will retire. Mel Kuyper will retire on the spot if the Ravens draft Bijan Robinson. Uh, Jordan, I believe the Ravens are in the top 20. Mel Kuyper from the Maryland area, the Ravens are his team. Uh, so here it is. Do you want Bijan to go to Baltimore to see if Mel follows through on this? Yes or no? Uh, no, because I don't want Baltimore getting Bijan Robinson. But also, I feel like he said this multiple times. If oh, if this team drafts this player, I will retire. And I'm like, all right, I'm still waiting, Mel. Still waiting. I feel like he said that multiple times. And uh, I'll, I'll be like, okay, if it happens, I'll be like, all right, bet on the spot. On the NFL draft, like the, the show, if it happens, he'll be like, well, I'm done. See ya. Peace out. I hope he follows through. I hope he's a man of his word because if it happens, I will remember this conversation. He can be a liar. I like Mel Kuyper. I don't know what the draft will be like without Mel Kuyper. You know, he's kind of been like there my whole life watching the draft and his craziness. Um, he goes through it all. He's not always right, 
but no draft pundits really are. Um, I like the energy. I think it adds to the experience when you're watching the drafts. So I don't really want him to retire, so I don't want the Ravens to draft Bijan Robinson, nor do I think they will. They have a bunch of running backs there in Baltimore, too, by the way. They just aren't healthy. So add, like, number 12 of really talented dudes to the list. doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Next up, Jalen Ramsey is on the docket to potentially get cut or released because the Rams are, you know, F them picks. Uh, they... They not only don't have any picks, they don't have any money, really. So if Jalen Ramsey gets cut instead of traded, Amon Ross St. Brown from the Lions is trying to already recruit uh, Jalen Ramsey, saying, hey, come to Detroit. We're building something. It's going to be awesome. But leave it to Micah Parsons. Yeah, I'm going all over the U.S. here, George. So stay with yeah, me. Stay with like, me, okay? Now let's go to, now let's go to Dallas. So Micah Parsons goes on Twitter after seeing a report about Amon Ross trying to tweet at Jalen Ramsey again, recruited in. All Micah Parsons said, he didn't say, come to Dallas. He just said, ain't nobody leaving L.A. for Detroit. Uh, Jordan, um, would you ever leave Los Angeles for Detroit? You know what, play for Dan Campbell? Damn straight I would. Damn straight I would. Um, Who cares? Does it matter? I wouldn't leave L.A. for Detroit. Okay, Detroit's paying you twice what your contract was. I'm going to be in Detroit. Yeah. Money talks. You know? Uh... Like, oh, I wouldn't leave L.A. for Chicago. The Bears can offer you $50 million. You know what? Chicago sounds pretty nice. Uh, if Detroit's offering me twice as much what other other teams are, you know, Michigan sounds pretty nice. Pay Money talks, money walks. Also, the Lions are actually kind of looking like a fun team. So why the hell not? Yeah, you know. It depends what the player wants, right? Jalen Ramsey, it seems like he's more interested in, in flash. He's got his ring now. Um, does he want to continue to pursue that? Do you want to see with nightlife? Do you want the money? Like you said, I think he's going to go where the biggest money is in Detroit. If they have enough money, why not? They're a team on the rise. I would love to play for Dan Campbell. That defense is getting a little bit better and better. They're in the NFC North, which is not the most QB rich division of them all. Why not? Right. Um, so we'll see, but Micah Parsons, he's, I'll say this. I don't think Micah Parsons is ever playing Detroit in his career. I'm, Throwing that one out there, I may want to take a few bets. He's never voluntarily signing with the Lions. Next up, and let's end on this note, because the Bengals general manager was at the Combine, and they were asked about, hey, there's been rumors that you're going to be trading T. Higgins potentially. Have other teams called you? What do you say? Blah, blah, blah. And his quote was, get your own receivers. Uh, Jordan, that may be my favorite quote of the Combine. You know, hey. You want to trade for us? Get your own guys. I'm good here. Uh, thoughts on this one? I mean, fair to be like, hey, I got my money. Make your own. Pick yourself up up by the bootstraps, you know? Get your own damn team. Which I'm like, you know what? Fair. I'd be like, yeah, get your own damn quarterback. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps, you know? There's no free handouts. We're not just giving you receivers like that. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, T. Higgins, he was drafted with Joe Burrow in the second round. It wasn't like every other team didn't have a shot. If you want him, you can trade for him. But in the end, this is the Bengals want to win with this core, and I don't blame them. You, the money's going to be a problem for this team eventually with Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Boyd. You're going to have to make some serious, tough decisions in terms of who you keep and who you don't. But for now, hey, the Bengals, they got to one Super Bowl. They got to the AFC Championship last year, write it out, and just – yeah, unless it's a crazy offer, get your own damn receivers. I like it. 
But, Jordan, that's all I have for you this week. A lot going on because of the combine. I know we didn't get to my favorite mock. We'll get to it next week. Um, but in general, uh, we're still following the combine. We're still following all the quotes coming out, and, and we are getting into the thick of the offseason right now. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Thank y'all for listening, as always. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio at Two Bills in a Pod. Facebook and Twitter, also at Two Bills in a Pod. You can follow Daniel on Twitter at GreatBeardHawn. You can follow me, Jordan, at Isley44. We will talk to you next week, and see ya. <laughs>